mm-hmm. do you guys think? Is November is November the perfect comfort movie month? I think you got a good case for it. You look like you have an opinion, though, Garrett. The weather cools down. I think you know you're stuck inside. You can't. Go I out. honestly think. I think that November hits, and I don't want to watch any movies. I think I want to read a book. Oh. actually, to be honest oh, with you, because book, book book, I mean, listen, listen. Here's here's book the deal. We just watched so many horror movies. Mm-hmm. We know that we're just about to watch so many Christmas mm-hmm. movies, and we know that there's no new movies coming out. So, like. I could take a break and not not be upset about it. I could read a book. I can watch some TV shows. I can do literally anything else. And uh, because I know that in Halloween, I'm going to cram as many horror movies in there. And in uh, December, I'm going to cram as many Christmas movies in there. And so maybe in October, I don't want to just watch movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. a book uh is just a, a movie made of paper. This is a um, movie for your mind. So, actually, a book is just... A movie before it's made it's because the, they don't do anything the, original know, anymore. They just turn move, books into movies. It's the egg of of the movie analogy, yes. You know which came first. Uh, you know, I think it's a. You know, I'm going to maintain. I'm going to move forward. Books are fun. I've been reading books this year. Mm-hmm. Based on uh, that's TV my reading endorsement. Books fine. are fun. Uh, I'm in my old man western phase at this point, right. so uh, a lot Embrace of it. a lot of crime uh, and uh, horses. Uh, it's actually not been that many horses. It's just been a lot of like, uh, a late eighties era crime, but have you seen the highwaymen, David? I have. have you seen I the highwaymen? watched that? I think earlier this year and, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. You know what they were? Huh? Texans. You know what they were? They were the, uh, they were Texas Rangers. Yes, yeah, right. And I find November to be great. For World See, Series I was looking. Champions. I was waiting for it. <laughs> I knew you had to be making a connection somehow. You know, you know. I was thinking what I was thinking about what Garrett's high point should be this week because OU lost. Um, I was, you know, well, it has uh, to didn't be watch that. It. Don't my, care. Don't my, care. My Razorbacks don't worn, care. So I was going to wear my hat. Josh can wear his his Cowboys gear uh-huh. if he has any. Garrett, obviously, you wrapped the Texas Rangers on that, right? Uh, so we all have yeah. something to celebrate yeah, guys, this weekend. I have to talk about it though because I haven't talked about it with anyone outside Whoa. of Cat. And my family, because she was, it happened on a Thursday, it happened on a Wednesday mm-hmm, night, mm-hmm. and uh, Kat has to be up every other Thursday at like, sit by, at work by 6.30 in the morning. And so, I watched my favorite team of all time, my entire life, clinch the World Series mm-hmm. after several years of devastation and bad teams, and like, <clears throat> um, uh, uh, you know, they were so close mm-hmm. in 2011, Twice, and then they lost, and it was devastating. It was difficult. Uh, and so I watched the final game of this World Series alone in the quiet to make sure I wasn't too loud because I didn't want to wake her up, obviously. And so it was very exciting for me. But I was like just silent screaming, and it was something that I never thought I could do. But it was very – I was impressed with myself, to be honest with you. You weren't like um, that episode of Family Guy where Joe – Gets uh gets earplugs so he can watch his movie silently and not wake up Bonnie, but it turns out that like he's so he's watching Steven Seagal films and so he's just quite, they cut away to him and he's just silently sitting there watching the movie and then he goes, yeah, get some action, yeah, just starts screaming and Bonnie wakes up anyway. So like the the movie's not so much the problem. It's it's Joe. Anyway, you managed I tried, to keep your I tried to find a way. 
I did for the most part. You know, I cried. You know, whatever. You, what are you going to do? It was very exciting. You let the emotions out. And I tried to figure out a way to make it equate to film. Mm-hmm. And the best example I have is, and Josh, I feel like you'll feel this, it's when Bong Joon-ho won Best Director. When that shocker came out of nowhere mm-hmm. and the entire theater let out that escalated excitement scream together, that's what it felt that's like. very cool. <laughs> I think even more no. so for so. me would be the Ki Hoi Kwan win because that's what a situation where you watch someone kind of, you saw them at the beginning of their career and then they sort of, you know, faded into sort of obscurity for a long time and then all of a sudden they come back and you're like, what the heck, they're back and they're better than ever, you know? Yes, and I um, don't want to downplay kind of, but that, it's more... but that was a little more expected. That he was going right, to win? Right, exactly, well, I mean, and that's you know, my I expected the Rangers yes. to win. Yes, I made oh, okay. a bunch of money. Well, good for you. Oh, but see, nobody else did. No, I did. Only the history of them never having won. You had so much great evidence. (laughs) Yeah. Me? No, him. Yeah. Yeah. I felt it in my bones. This team was different. I could feel it. By the way, I did not make a bunch of money. Sports betting is illegal in this state. But, uh, no, uh, that's really cool. I really, honestly, I can't compare it to anything in the sports world because I've never really, none of my teams... Um, I was a Dallas Mavericks fan for a long time, and so when they finally won, I was like, I was really happy and excited to see that they won. But uh, it wasn't like I didn't have like a real connection to them. It was just kind of like I had to pick a team because I lived in, you know, middle of nowhere Arkansas, and there was no team for me to pick, so I just went with the Dallas Mavericks. Yep. Um, yep. But uh, you know, it's been years since like the Dolphins have won. The Razorbacks haven't even sniffed a national title since 1964. So like, I have nothing to. I've never. I you I, you posted on Instagram. You had tears in your eyes, and I was like, I've never. Yeah, I cried. I've never been that. I've never gotten to have that emotional release from a sports game. I don't think. It's very exciting. Oh well, this is not a sports cast, but <laughs> so many sports though. No, so we can move sports. on. Spinoff. But anyway, one of these days we can pick a month that is the sports game. We, we, we can do, easily we do can. a month of sports movies. I've got a I've got an inspiration for that later too. Um, but you know. We'll talk about comfort movies another time, uh, but uh, I had an interesting, I had a fun, fun time talking to my wife about what our comfort movies are. She was yeah. appalled by mine. I but, kind of agree that that I see November as a bit of a comfort movie space, but you know, I don't. Uh, Garrett's look at it isn't wrong either. I also like no, because I also like to cozy up and read in the fall time. Yeah, it's about uh, it's whatever nice makes you cozy. <clears throat> yeah, cozy's key word here. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, and so. Uh, also, when I want to be cozy, I want to watch a comfort movie. So I turn to a lot of those this time of year, which is kind of what we're doing this week. Uh, if we want to just go ahead and jump into the the topic of the week, we're starting off a, a, a new series this month. Uh, I guess you could call it a theme. We're getting into the roots of uh, old yes, so many sequels. Yes. Dumb. So we pulled we, out the list. We pulled out the old list of franchises. We landed on one that we felt like was was inspired, honestly, I think. Because if I remember right, it was proposed as a, hear me out. <laughs> Which is always fun. So, it, it somehow worked perfectly, though. Because we're doing Meet the Parents, which is going to be the whole trilogy mm-hmm. of Meet the Parents, Meet the Fockers, and Little Fockers. Little Fockers. We will see how that progresses over time mm-hmm. a 10 year span a 10 year span but these movies were huge mm-hmm. uh, i remember especially the first one. Oh my gosh 
I, I for some reason remember it in my head being seen as like the funniest thing that ever happened for this yes like at the time it was out can we can yeah. we like I, we didn't talk about this so if y'all don't want to that's fine i didn't prep but like david do you have the box office stuff pulled up can we do the box office for this movie you do it first beforehand Ooh. because yeah because i was thinking about it right and you think about this time frame for this you don't have to do the whole thing you can do a little bit but like i do think it would be helpful to put into context how massive this movie was yeah you'll, because it was you, I'll it, get, I can, you want me to just give you the overall and then yeah. we'll, we can later we can do like the yeah yeah stuff. yeah just real quick numbers just so real quick like numbers. uh the movie made 166 million dollars in the united states alone mm-hmm but it also did 160 overseas, like in mm-hmm. international markets, which you would think that you would think that there's the potential that this is a very like hard story to translate, maybe. Uh, given the you know there's there's very American elements to it, but uh, 164 million overseas, giving it a worldwide total of 330 million dollars for a you know mid-budget PG-13 comedy in the year 2000. You know, $330 million on, you know, in theory, a $55, $50 million budget was pretty good. <laughs> it's do, huge. Yeah. So yeah. Do, you have, yeah. do you have the top movies of the year 2000? Can we talk I about do. that as well? Uh, this came out October 6, 2000, so coming into the holiday season. And so, so even at the tail end of the year, this ended up being one of the, the highest grossing movies of the year, I believe, right? Yes, definitely. It came out when? When did you say, Josh? October 6th, 2000. October, yeah. In October the year 2000. 2000. Exactly. Um, and what a great year for movies it was. Um, in the U.S., you know, it it finished in the in the top 10 at the number 7 spot, um, mm. just ahead of the very first X-Men, um, and just behind The Perfect Storm, um, the, the number Perfect one movie Storm. of the year. Now, Josh, you want to talk about a movie coming out late and dominating? The number one movie of the year 2000 was How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Wild, came out yes. November 17th. Um, and then at number two, you have Castaway. Uh, at number three, you have another movie we've done, Mission Impossible 2. And then uh, at number four, you have Gladiator. At number five, you have What Women Want, starring Mel Gibson. Um, the only other movie we've done from 2000 is one of our least... Our worstly reviewed movies, and that's Bedazzled. Oh um, man, that's so that's right. your that's your Sony sequels in two thousand is it Mission Impossible two, <laughs> Bedazzled, and now this. You know, hearing you read that list, though, I think that was a monumental year in movies for me. <laughs> I saw um, a lot of those, and I remember liking them a lot. Definitely, at the, time. The, the the highest grossing sequel of that year is Mission Impossible two. You would have to go all the way down to the Nutty Professor two at number sixteen for your next sequel in the top uh in the top 20 i feel like this was also close to the time we got our first dvd player and then i was like oh movies Mm, that's very possible (laughs) it's very possible i can uh you know special scenes exactly exactly Um, you know some other i'll throw some other movies out that came out that year if you want we also have uh, a scary movie yeah, we, uh, we were talking about Scream last week. Scary movie came out this year. Uh, what Lies Beneath, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Aaron Brockovich, Charlie's Angels, Big Mama's House. Uh, remember the Titans? See what I'm saying? This is a big year. Patriot. How have mm-hmm. we only been there once? Risk and Geniality, twice. Gone in 60 Seconds. We got to go back to 2000. 
We have to go yeah, back. <laughs> Screen three. There you go. There's another one. So, um, wow. Anyway, so like we said, big movie at the time. Very memorable when you put it up against all those other movies that are also pretty memorable. So uh, I want to ask what you all think about this movie or what your memories of it are because I I wanted to share mine. Not that they're specific or anything, but like I said earlier, I remember it being thought of as like, oh my God, meet the parents. You will never believe how funny it is when you see Mm. it. And and this is just like stuff I remember picking up because I'm 10. Yeah, 10 Mm -hmm. at the time. Um, and I remember people quoting it and being like, Ooh, can you say that? Cause it's fucker. Get it. <laughs> but I remember not seeing it myself until my parents got it on DVD. Cause they mm-hmm. always talked about how funny it was. And I got to see mm-hmm. it and it was very funny. Uh, so do you guys have anything like that? How did you come into this movie? No, you know, for some reason, I have weird memories of it being, like, mentioned on, like, those VH1 or the, like, MTV-type, like, countdown lists and things like that. Like, like I love the 2000s or those types of things. I remember it just being, um, or because I, I remember, like, there's being, like, the whole, you know, his name's Fucker. Like, I just remember, like, I feel like Michael Ian Black talked about it. I just, I, I you know, like, I feel like it was really... It was a really influential film at the time, but I don't remember. I don't remember seeing it probably till I was thirteen, at least. You know, maybe you know, probably a few years after it had come out. Probably saw it on TV on Comedy Central or something. I'm sure. Um, and yet, but I did remember hearing and seeing like it had made a lot of money. It was very popular. You know, De Niro and Stiller were a very popular duo, and it inspired a ton of. Uh, well, it inspired its own sequels, but it inspired a ton of uh, similar films. I'm pretty sure I saw this in the theater. I'm not confident about that. This is a time frame uh, where my memories are like, I don't know. But uh, I think I saw this in the theaters. And yeah, I remember it being like funny because of the the names and the questionable nature. And it was like the De Niro and Stiller chemistry was really good. You know, it was it was just something that everyone agreed on at the time that everyone seemed to like. Oh, I thought you. Oh, I thought you said that everyone seemed to like. Uh, No, that's the dramatic period to my massive statement. Yeah, me too for a second. Um, Yeah, (laughs) no, no, that was just the end. Okay, I agree. Uh, Had any of you? Do you guys have you seen this more than once or more than any time since the first time? I I can't remember the last time I saw it. you know, and and we'll, we'll get into this as we get on. I'm only fairly confident I've ever seen the second one once maybe and i've never seen the third one so like you know this is definitely one that i think for me at the time was such a big movie but then i never thought of it again yeah i don't remember having seen it a lot a lot i know i've seen it more than once since the first time but i hadn't seen it in a long time when we when i watched it for this Uh, what about you david you seen it um you know i probably saw it two or three times on television yeah um i almost feel like i probably never saw it all the way through because i would always catch it in progress um uh uh, just by the nature of how tv worked back then i don't think we we never had it on 
VHS or DVD or anything like that. But so I probably saw it a couple times, but and like never caught on to certain. Like I remember um, always being um, sort of uh, lost when he did the big reveal about the CIA. You know, uh, like uh, when Ben's like uh, spiraling out and he's like, "Didn't tell much of little meeting, did you?" Oh, ta- Jack Talk tie good. Like I always, I always <laughs> miss like the the stuff like earlier on with the with the store with the store and all that um their first meetings and stuff so like this is probably legitimately my first time seeing it all the way through without any breaks in the middle i've never seen the other two so i'm very interested to see how those turn out but uh but yeah i i did enjoy it quite thoroughly though i remember always uh you know always liking it uh, and i can't wait to sort of dissect it a little bit more today yeah, so if y'all haven't seen Meet the Parents uh, or remember it, it is about uh, Ben Stiller's character, Greg, is how we're introduced to him first. He is a nurse in Chicago uh, who is wanting to propose to his girlfriend, Pam, but uh, a little, I don't know if you, I guess you'd call it a mix-up at the, at, the, at the moment he's about to propose, he finds out that he maybe mm-hmm. he should ask her father's permission first. They go out to stay with her family. Um, thus, meet the parents. <laughs> and the whole the whole gist of it is, it's like he's kind of this hapless idiot, and his the 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 father Robert De Niro is the overbearing, um, sneaky, mm-hmm. overprotective father figure. And just Comedy. like everything that can go wrong does go right. wrong for Greg. Yeah. I want to talk about Greg first, obviously, with him being the, the main character. So there are so many times in this movie that I had to watch it through my fingers like this because it was so horrifically cringy. This movie mm-hmm. does cringe mm-hmm. super well. Uh, which I like in good doses. And I think this had enough of it because most of those moments were the moments where I was like, oh my God, he really did nothing wrong and this horrible (laughs) thing just happened. Uh, Because most of the time, it is kind of just like, oh wow, he just sucks. But then there are a few times where you're like, oh no, you got yourself into that mess yourself. But a lot of the time, man... Like, like <laughs> the the moment when I gasped the hardest, just to get into some of my favorite parts to, to demonstrate this character, he, completely on accident, shattered Jack's mother's urn with that mm-hmm. champagne bottle. That's just mm-hmm. bad luck, man. Bad luck. But also one of the worst things that could ever happen. <laughs> exactly. I, I maintain that Greg makes arguably only one real bad decision in this movie. And the rest is just absent-mindedness and general g- genuine accidents, you know. Um, like he let Jinxie out, right? That's that's just him being absent-minded, not thinking, "Oh wait, Jinxie's not supposed to go out." You know, he doesn't know the cat that well. The only real, like, like truly bad decision Greg makes in this movie is deciding to take the fake gypsy back and spray paint its tail. That's like that's like a that's like a that's like a lie. He chose that, right? He didn't. He didn't mean to spike that volleyball into that girl's face as hard as he, with all his strength, you know, with all his might. It's just happened. You know, they were mocking him the whole time for not being any good. And he finally gets one good shot and it just shatters that girl's face. 
Um, I know. That's the other thing that killed me about him is he really tried to interact with them socially and be in on their jokes with them. Mm-hmm. And they just would not allow it. <laughs> no. Ever. No. Ever. No, like, Someone got a visit from the hair fairy. And yes. So he tries to get in on the fairy thing with like, I got to see the shower fairy. And then as he leaves, I love, I love one of my favorite things. As he leaves, somebody goes, shower fairy. What's that about? And it's just so, <laughs> all those little asides like that. Like if you listen, this is a movie full of great asides yeah. that are just sort of, maybe, maybe they're improv, maybe they're not, but just little, little things here and there as people walk out of rooms. Um, but Garrett, were are there any like, are there any highlights of Greg's, uh, awful time with these with these people for you. You know, I gotta be real. Uh, I I hated this. <laughs> oh, you didn't like it, Garrett? I didn't like oh. it one bit. No, I I really I really didn't think it held up well at all. Fascinating. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it held up pretty well. And, and I didn't. I hated. I hated it. <laughs> I. I really hated the whole family yeah. in every capacity. Yes. Um, the the level of toxic masculinity that this whole thing oozed was so 2000s. And the thing is, I put I put I had to take myself back to the time, right? Like this is pre-COVID. Yeah. This is pre-9/11. Yeah. This is pre-Facebook. Uh-huh. This is pre-all of that, yeah. right? Yeah. And so the 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 idea was to be the De Niro-like character and the, the um, you know, women fell for Owen Wilson and, like, all of that. You know, that was the, the thing. And just, you know, Greg was a nurse? Yes. That's a great job. Yeah. He's a put-together man. He's got, a, he's got stuff together. And, you know, because he's a nurse, they make fun of him. And it just, you know, for me, that kind of humor anymore is not funny. And yeah. that was most of what I found it is, like, he was perfectly fine and they just put him down because he wasn't man enough for these toxic old men. And it just was humor that I found I know, but not I think funny they're anymore. They're clearly the bad guys, though. That's part of the. It's part of the thing. Now, granted, yeah. I think they do. But watch... they are. They are, but they also make Greg out to be the bad guy. Yeah. When he's not, I'd have yeah. left. If I were him, I'd have left. I would have left so fast immediately think... because the his girlfriend slash wife slash fiance has no boundaries with her family whatsoever. She's like trying to put him in like in the most uncomfortable position, right. and all he is trying to do is win. And yeah, he does make dumb decision, dumb decision. But he's also painted as the bad guy a lot of times throughout this movie, and I'm just like I. I, everyone else is awful, I know, and I, I just think, I found I found the humor not to not to stand up at all. I think that's I think that's the that's the that's their roles though. I think they're supposed to be these sort of like hard to win over people. These bad, then they're not they're not like these. Not doesn't want to necessarily be friends with them after, but it is just it's the the unrelenting conflict of every time he tries to like. You know, start up a rep, uh, you know, a repartee with Robert De Niro, who I think the I think what worked for the for a lot of people back then was Robert De Niro doing a comedy. Um, I don't know how many comedies he had done in the '90s leading up to this, but Robert De Niro is sort of that by, by 2000 and and today even, but by 2000 is that quintessential like hard gangster movie, like serious actor. So you put him in a situation where like the entire you know he's going to be a comedy. People are like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be, you know, I'm trying to think of like a modern a modern uh, example um, to, 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 to 
allude to, but I think that just really put people in a place where they're like, oh, I got to see this. Robert De Niro is like the most intimidating guy in, in, in cinema. So to, to have him be like the, the, the father you got to try to win over. Um, and I think you're right. I don't think that, I think that it's kind of, it's a very progressive um, place that they try to put Greg in, you know, where he is a male nurse. He's not concerned with sort of the machismo that say, um, that say uh, uh, Robert De Niro's Jack character is that his friends are Dr. That, Bob. that Dr. Bob's concerned with those types of things. Right. Um, and even to an extent, Owen Wilson's character, even though Owen Wilson's character, it does sort of express kind of a sensual masculinity, I guess you could say. He's very like all about his hands and he's very, Owen Wilson is cracking me up in this movie because um, everything he says is so like, um, like uh, it's so pretentious um, and it's exactly the kind of fodder for a Ben Stiller type to just be like, just to just to just be, to shake his head at because I love I love him being like I love him mocking him later on and being like I saw some beechwood out there maybe he can go reclaim it you know it's the hardest one to work with I loved him mocking them for being goose and Iceman later I, that just um I'm sorry Iceman no so it, it was just Ben Stiller's annoyance by these people I think is part of the the humor that works for me with it uh Josh, I think something about this movie that you would appreciate is that as far as it goes with a, as for being a comedy, it's a, it's a fairly grounded comedy as a, as opposed to like a sort of a, a really outlandish or farcical kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it comes down to a lot of it comes down to physical comedy from Ben Stiller. He does a lot of prep falls, a lot of stupid stuff falling off the, the roof falling off the, the ladder when he's listening to the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that comedy I just really appreciate. And this is, I think, like peak Ben Stiller era for him. So he's also just as much of a, a draw as, as Robert De Niro would be, I think, at this time. You think, oh man, this is like the the it funny guy right now. And yeah, a, a legend like De Niro. So... I, I like that approach to the comedy in it. it. And it's just a lot of like, there is a lot of bad humor that doesn't hold up. Like you said, Garrett, the male nurse jokes are not funny, but I also kind of see what you were saying, David, where like, yeah, but like those are the bad people in the, in the, in the movie. So I, I don't find those parts particularly funny. I don't think they'd be written that way today anymore, but there's still a lot of comedy that does hold up. I think all the stuff with Jinxie is pretty funny. Um, a lot of just the comedy in the house, uh, dealing with the, the the bed situation, being walked in on all the time. Mm-hmm. The, it's just classic the, comedy stuff. The Ben Stiller constantly feeling like he has to lie. Greg feeling like he has yeah. to like lie a little bit. And then... He has to then maintain that lie, only be caught up in it. So, like when he says, like when he gets caught looking at the magazine and it says he's like a pumps, breast pumps. Yeah, he's uh, looking. At, he uh, happened to open he, to a breast pump ad. He, he goes with, I, I grew up on a farm, and so then that becomes a thing later. Now he's getting pressed on the farm stuff. So 
uh, this was always one of my one of my wife's favorite parts about the thing about you can milk a you can milk a cat you can milk anything with nipples. <laughs> I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Right. That's like that was always one of the lines that I always remember being like played yeah. whenever there would be promos for this movie. Yeah. I have I have nipples, Greg. Um, and then then that constant that's constantly happening. The circle of trust. Um, you know. I'll tell you, I completely forgot about Denny, the brother. Uh, you know, they, she goes, why don't you go borrow clothes from Denny? And um, I, I looked at Nikki and I go, I have no memory of Denny. Like, I was like, I, this actor, she's gonna, he's going to walk up there and he, this actor is going to open the door and it could be literally anybody. And I'll be, I, I'll be genuinely surprised. I have no idea who it's going to be. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like, the funny, the other funny element about it is that De Niro's character is sort of this like walking contradiction in a lot of ways. He is all about he 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 claims to be about trust, about not having any any secrets, any lies, about having that sort of you know classic conservative masculinity. But like his best friend is his cat, and he's really attached to it, and he treats it like a little baby. It's a little his little poodle dog. He is always about he's invading everyone's privacy at any times, which does not show the. Uh, the 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 idea that he's a trust you know he's somebody who can trust other people you know uh, he's overprotective of his daughter but he has no propensity about even checking on his son Denny who's like if you just go in Denny's room it's like he's in a completely different house so um, you know coming so sort of the presentation of that complexity is something that maybe they get into more in the other movies I don't know but uh it's just uh this stuff for ben to kind of unravel i love at the end too where he's like oh yeah do you think puff the magic dragon was about the boys a little bit why don't you ask denny about puff and uh haven't figured that one out have you jack and uh just look on de niro's face like denny. <laughs> like he hasn't it never would have crossed his mind that denny smokes uh, uh smokes drugs um but yeah i i don't know it held up a lot for me i got some good laughs there's some funny there's some uh there's some lines that i had completely forgotten about um Owen Wilson's wearing the uh wearing the knives out sweater. Uh I think that's worth pointing out for sure. Yes. Um one of the things that cracked me up the most and cracked my, me and my wife up was um when Kevin's talking about um Greg asks Owen Wilson, he says, What got you into carpentry? And he goes, Oh wow, God, I guess I'd have to say uh, Jesus. That's you know? one of my favorite lines as well. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, if you're going to live your life, you know, who better than Christ to emulate? And, uh, and, uh, De Niro points out that Greg's Jewish. And he goes, he goes, you are? Yeah. And he goes, well, so was JC, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I just laughed. So was JC. You're in good company. Um, that whole bit. Owen Wilson, uh, right when the movie was starting to, to drag a little bit, Owen Wilson comes in and just saves it for me. But Garrett, you hated this movie, so I don't even know why. What I what? What else do you got to say? I was I was just enjoying you all, and and and, and how much you all enjoyed this movie, and, and that you appreciated its uh, humor. I do think that it is a movie of the time. I really do. Um, I think that you're right as far as like De Niro doing a comedy. I don't think that was something that was done, especially in a romantic kind of comedy like that. So yes, in 2000, I, absolutely with Ben Stiller. Uh, at, at his, like, you know, peak, I guess. Uh, you know, you can't, I can't deny how successful this was and how funny this was. Again, I just don't think that this particular kind of humor holds up for me. I just, you know, again, 
all they do they rely on putting down one character throughout the whole thing and to me it just seems like you're beating up a wet cat and like it becomes not funny anymore like you make fun of his name you make fun of his job you make fun of his religion you make fun of his life and everything that he does so like for me it becomes bullying and i don't find bullying fun and that at the time for me is just you know at the time again that is what we saw as humorous and now i no longer see that as humorous and so for me it's hard to watch and go oh i like that they make fun of him in every single way possible yeah, without giving him any kind of opportunity yeah. for no reason that's not funny i don't to me. think you're supposed to laugh at the them making fun of him i think it's the i think it's honestly the 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 catches between the two like i think it's the it's the whenever greg tries to like do he's like he's like you're watching you're watching greg go what's the right thing to say in this situation right and then he says what honestly sounds like the right thing to say only for it to be wrong no matter what right like he's just stuck in this awkward cringy situation of like nothing he can do is going to be the right decision to make and i think that like the movie really hits home towards the end for me when um you know they have their big spill they have their big fight greg leaves and you know they're kind of looking around. They're picking up the pieces. Um, his uh, his fiance she gets she gets the Fockers to send his MCAT scores over, uh, and his wife, the the Gwyneth Paltrow's mom, um, looks at him and says, "Do you realize that you one you've never liked any of her boyfriends, and you didn't even like Owen Wilson until after they broke up? Like that's the only reason you like him now is because he's not with your daughter, and it just kind of speaks to sort of." It, it, it luckily for Greg, it opens up in Robert De Niro this realization of like maybe I have been incredibly too harsh on this guy, and so they have this they have this moment in the in the in the airport, which that's a sequence which I don't think could happen today. Is the saying bomb on the airplane? Uh, just even a few months later, or a few uh, just one year later, would have been a problematic scene to keep in the movie. Um, they reshot an entire episode of Friends around that. It was the scene was removed uh, for television airings. That's just a fun fact I read. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and that might explain a lot because I do. I mean, I remember them holding, but I never remember him being on the. But I. But the the whole thing of him playing. Like, if you can get through my kung fu grip. Yeah. All that bum, 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 bum. Yeah. <laughs> just I losing people. It. Right. See, and those you know. those parts I do find kind of funny where he's talking about those things, or he's got like Ben Stiller gets to be silly. You know, that's where he is funny. But I genuinely think that this movie relies on making fun of someone who is not as masculine as, as what people believed in 2000s. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think a lot of the humor relies yeah. on. Um, you're supposed to laugh when they make fun of him because his name is Gay Fokker. Of course you're supposed to laugh at him. Like, ha, ha, ha. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to laugh alongside. And then the ending does make the movie better because you do, you do see, oh, wait a minute, hold on. There's more going on here. But again, for me at this time in... in 2023 after i don't know a lifetime i just don't find it funny yeah, anymore. i guess you 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 get a few like chuckles of like <laughs> okay you're making fun of him again okay you're making fun of him again yeah. oh look at that you're making fun of him again and then he does something stupid and then he just plays into it because he's just trying and right like at that point in time maybe that's where i would have been like i would have done the opposite whatever you think i would have done i would have tried to make it more uncomfortable for you yeah. 
because you all are trying to make this incredibly uncomfortable for me, so I can't win, so I'm just going to do think, what I'm going to do. And that's why I think I struggle with the humor. I think, yeah, the solution for Ben from the beginning, was to, or for, for Greg from the beginning, was to just just be honest, you know? Just, you know, just, just lay it out and say, you know, hey, we're coming from different places, but he's trying to be a people pleaser in this situation. That doesn't work out. I think a, a genuinely... Something about, I guess, the passage of 23 years, Garrett, that I guess the difference here is that when I watched the movie, I was laughing at them and their backwardsness. Like when they had that reaction of, seriously, you're a nurse? I was just like, these poor saps. Like I was just looking at them like, what a couple of old of old idiots. Like I, that was kind of my uh, my takeaway there. and And sort of them sort of making fun of him because they think he's a pothead. I was just like, these guys just look like old dorks now. Like, I was just laughing, I guess, at them more so than with them. And maybe that's just sort of a change from, I guess, from me as a, as a viewer. But I can understand that back then, they were probably trying to have their cake and eat it too. They were giving you a progressive hero to root for to, you know, win over these people while also hoping that they could cash in on some homophobia, hoping they could cash in on some, uh, you know, anti-drug humor and things like that. Um, so I won't give them full credit for saying like, oh, this was a, this was a big, you know, this was a step forward in one direction or another. But I think, I think they were trying to play both sides. If they could get a laugh out of Gay Fokker, they would. And if they could get uh, a laugh out of, um, you know, making you know just kind of showing how out of touch uh someone like robert de niro could be for enjoying the song puff the magic dragon without really having any idea what the context of the song is they would do that too um so yeah i don't know it it held up for me it worked for me i still had a lot of laughs with it it is interesting i mean i love when we have when we have different takeaways from the movie because when we're all in agreement, sometimes it's fun but uh uh but sometimes it's nice to have a little i don't know Glass in the in the in the chocolate. Fight, 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 fight. That's what you want, isn't it? That's what you're looking for. Is and just, and just Josh sits there quietly going. Yeah. Well, yeah, so far I gotta say, David, you're just speaking for me. I have I've ag- mostly agreed with what you've said on this. I well, you get it. You, I'll tag you in. Well, I don't have anything to to really add because I don't. It's it's one of those things where like yeah, it's great to have different perspectives on these movies because neither is wrong. Like it's okay. If this type of humor is not funny for some people anymore, uh, and it's okay if it is for some, I mean, I would maybe, I would maybe rethink it if you agree about the nurse jokes. <laughs> I would, I would reconsider if you find that funny. But again, uh, I, just like you said, David, I always kind of looked at it that way myself. I, I never heard those jokes and thought, yeah. He is a male nurse. <laughs> it was it was the other way around for me as well. So it's nice though. I mean, you can you can come out a lot of different ways, but also still find humor in a lot of the uh, less culturally relevant jokes: the cat stuff, the urn stuff, the the toilet, the all the physical humor, the burning the wedding down. That poor idiot. <coughs> but also. It was like- the, the 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 septic tank yeah the whole thing a, a character i wanted to to mention briefly because unfortunately that's all there is to say about them is uh 
for a movie called Meet the Parents, where you're meeting this woman's parents, you is like nothing for this woman. Like Pam, no, the mom does yeah. nothing. No, I'm. I don't mean even. Oh, you mean, mean the mom? I mean Pam, oh, the the okay. fiance or soon to be fiance, uh, has like nothing really to do in this movie. Kind of like takes sides with both of them at inconvenient times or convenient times for both of them. It, it kind of sucks at times, but also <coughs> just we just don't get to really know much about her. That's women. <laughs> I I, I kid. I'm I very so, very heavily joking. Very yeah. heavily joking. No, yeah, I think that they even trying to give a little subplot with the, uh, the ex fiance situation. Yeah, but, but it's still tied around there, the ex. Even there, she's as a character. She's just there to facilitate the conflict, right? To like, it's her dad. She has to impress. It's her ex fiance. She has to. Uh, she has to. You know, spend a day with. You know, those types of things. Like. You know, she's there to be the prize at times, and then she's there to make him feel bad, and then she's there to take him back. You know, like, that's... There's not a lot of... You know, she should really... Honestly, there should be a lot of her just saying, like, Dad, what the F are you doing? But... You know, and that's why... Maybe that's why I don't like this movie, is because the whole time I just watch it and go, Ben, you can do better. Yeah, just leave. No, for honestly, sure. these none of these people are worth it, even mm-hmm. her. Even her. She's not treating you well. She's not giving you any respect. She's not acting like she's your boyfriend. She's like, she's lying to her parents and doing all this stuff. Red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. All of this is mm. bad. Break up with her because you know what? You deserve better. And this family truly does suck. And like, I'd have just left. I'd have left almost immediately, I think. Yeah, I'd have know. been like, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm just going to go home. I'm done with this. Bye bye. He takes place over the course of two days. So I mean he gets there. I'd have left he, after thirty he minutes. Gets there. Um uh you know, I think also what, what something that really stood out to me was like immediately as it as as it starts playing, I thought to myself, how old was Ben Stiller here? Like I don't know how the old the characters are supposed to be, but Ben Stiller's thirty five when this movie comes out. And his fiance Terry Polo is who plays Pam was thirty one. Um, and that's pretty, from what I understand, pretty typical for like New York, Chicago kind of couples to be in their 30s before they really look into settling down. But I just kind of thought like, man, you're meeting the parents and like situations where it's like, no, you're going to be sleeping in separate rooms, but you're in your 30s. Like if you're like 21 and you're meeting the parents, I get it, you know, man, it's that's like, a hey, classic rom-com trope, though. That's just a rom-com trope. So, I mean, and, and they're that. Apparently there was a lot of inspiration here with sort of like the forties comedies of these types um, of situations. So, you know, I, I get those elements too. It's just kind of crazy to think like 35, he was 35 here. De Niro was probably, I don't even know. De Niro was probably in his fifties by this point. Uh, it, it's uh, crazy to think that like, uh, the, it seems like it was much earlier in their careers comparatively, but um and then um, when when Pam starts talking about her, when her and um, Owen Wilson's character uh, Kevin start calling each other Goose and or start calling each other uh, Iceman and Maverick, they were like, "What well, Top Gun was really big when we were dating," and I was like, "This movie's set in the year 2000. So they were dating in 1986 or maybe 1987." And then I like tried to do the math on that, and I was like, "So they were dating. So they were engaged like 13 years prior to the events of this movie." They were dating like when they were like seventeen or eighteen. That's when they were. That's when their their whole relationship uh, existed, which is not 
uh, who knows how long they were together, I guess, uh, in the lead up to, to this movie. I guess they broke up sometime previously because they had photos of them and they all, that Owen Wilson looked like, you know, he was in his 30s. So I don't know. No, and see, that's the other thing. Like, listen, he's got photos of them together in his <laughs> house. And she's just like on his team being like, hey, Iceman and Goose. No, yeah, Ben Stiller and Greg deserve better. It's not funny. Leave. That's what I would tell him if I were his therapist. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking about this logically. And, and it's the year thinking- 2000. He wouldn't have a therapist. <laughs> He wouldn't have a therapist. No, they would have made fun of him for having a therapist because he was all—he's already a nurse. He's yeah. a man in touch with his you feelings, and of, he's going to a therapist. No, nope. that kind of, you need that kind of psychological help, uh, fucker, huh? You need to see someone. You crazy fucker? Uh, is that what it is? Yeah, you're little, uh, you little—you uh, how you been having? You have mental illness. Um, that would have been a good joke. It would have been. I mean, they, honestly, it fits right in the in the theme. Um, it I, does. I, yeah. I thought a lot very about simple. to about. <laughs> about jack's philosophy on cats versus dogs dogs are very uh they're affirming character they're 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 immediately affirming they require no effort to break right a dog whereas a cat makes you work for their affection right and and jack is essentially in this describing himself he thinks he views himself as a cat uh someone who's you have to work to 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 break but i kind of think maybe i'm wrong i kind of think that ben stiller himself as a character in this movie is very cat-like he is very one fidgety, but he is very hard to break in a lot of ways. He maintains his composure as well as he can in front of the family. With with uh, Pam, he's like they're going crazy out there. I don't know what I'm doing, you know. Um, but by the end, they have severely broken him. Greg is very broken. He is unhinged, yelling at flight attendants, yelling at uh, airport marshals, um, and he is. When Jack comes back to talk to him, there's no more veil. There's no more. I'm trying to impress you. He's like, frankly, Jack, you scare me. Like it's all. He's he's very. He's like. Uh, he's super honest by that point. So they have gotten to the point where they have broken each other, and I think are finally at the point where they can be honest uh, in their situation. So I, I found the analogy of the cat versus the dog to be a very interesting thing to think about over the rest of the movie after that was brought up. Interesting, because I see I see this movie totally differently. Where he was immediately broken because he immediately broke to their will and tried to do everything that they wanted to do, and he never stood up for himself. He immediately caved. So he was never like uh, to me. I never saw never him as him. a cat or anything like that. Based on that analogy, I mean, he would. Right, he bro- that's breaking them. Like if you're pretending to be somebody else in order to win their affection, mm. you've lost. You're broken. See, and that's what I thought is like maybe it doesn't work. But I, uh, uh, I was thinking about. It. I was trying to trying to make it work in my head. Well, I think what you were just. I think what you were trying to say, David, was that he never broke in terms of he never, he never lost his composure on them until the very end. Yeah, I mean, he he he, he tries to maintain this veil of being totally fine, of being like, you know, like just keep rolling, just keep doing it. Don't let them see you get frustrated. Don't let them see you freak out. I don't know. So it, until he does, until he does, he just loses it. Um, I remember as a kid, uh, just thinking by the end of the movie, just thinking like, um, like, uh, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. I bu- busted on that. <laughs> who knows I what was, you were thinking by the end of it? Who knows? Well, nah. I was thinking by the end of it, uh, a, cr- a critique I have to give, you know, 
I don't even know what it would have been at any point in time. But there, there's no real like good good like message out of the movie in the end. Like yeah, it has a happy ending of sorts. Uh, but I don't know if I come out of it going, wow, everybody really learned. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Honest. Like, they have a breakthrough moment, yeah, and it's nice, but we really had to go through a lot to get there, and I don't know that it was worth it. Um, so I did look, um, I am looking now, um, there's a whole thing on Wikipedia about a couple of different elements that people have highlighted about this movie that they really like. Mm. Um, apparently... According to a uh, article in Summers and Summers from 2009, um, because of Jack or because of Greg's, um, you know, sort of like he's not embarrassed to be a male nurse. Right. He is not. Uh, he's he's actually you know very takes a lot of pride in what he does. Um, it's considered he's considered by the nursing association to be one of the best representatives of a male nurse in cinema <laughs> because. He just does, you know, like he does, he takes, he takes on whatever. Is it because he's one of the only? One of the few, I assume, but I'm sure they, I'm sure they have an actual list of like that they went through to, to determine that. But another one of the big elements is, um, uh, so I'm, I'm reading this off of Wikipedia. I'll just be honest with you right now, but through the nineties and early two thousands, there was this sort of, I guess, either purposeful or subliminal movement called popularizing the Jew. Um, in which characters who are Jewish started having more heroic roles or more standout, more more protagonist roles in American cinema, this being one of them. A lot of people point to Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day. They point to Jason Biggs in American Pie, where these uh, Jewish actors, Jewish characters, were being sort of like placed in these prominent roles and were doing, and the movies were doing well. Like they were, it was becoming very, you know, and there were a lot of other Jewish comedians and Jewish uh, uh, stars that were becoming bigger and bigger during this time period. And it's been credited a lot with, um, I don't know, sort of helping to sort of change, I guess, the conversation around them as characters, as leads, as whatever. Um, I'd have to do more more thorough reading on it. But yeah, this is just something that sort of popped up here as we were reading through uh, reading through about the movie. Interesting. You know, I would like to know more about the the movie that this was based or it's a remake of which uh came out in 1992 not that much before (laughs) not not that many years prior uh but i don't know that it was like i don't think it was like a wide release movie or anything no the poster looks crazy yeah it's a 1992 movie but you look at the poster and it's like one of those old 1950s style uh animated hand-drawn posters it's interesting it looks like it had a budget of a hundred thousand dollars according to this that's pretty small for 1992 even and uh oh i don't even recognize anybody in this cast nope so yeah interesting uh interesting film i don't even know what what you could say about it other than it was pop it was popularized by a remake that universe you know universal pictures must have purchased the uh the rights to it and Said, let's do this again, but cast Ben Stiller. Well, at least they managed to make it profitable the second time they tried. Um, and boy, did they! I, I was going to say, let's let's circle back now to that box office stuff we opened with. How did how did Meet the Parents specifically do? Um, so, like we talked about, 166 million in the United States. 
um, for its total run. It opened the weekend, Josh, like you mentioned, October 6th, 2000, almost exactly 23 years ago as of this recording. Um, it, it opened in the number one spot with $28.6 million, um, uh, taking over from Remember the Titans in its second week, which brought in 19.2. That's going to be a great sports movie if we ever do like a sports movie month. Uh, we, followed we by will. Get Carter. Oh, yeah. Get Carter, which is a... Uh, Oh, who was it? Uh, John Tra- is it, it? It's either John Travolta or it's Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Stallone. Uh, Get Carter is a Stallone film, and then at number four was uh, a <clears throat> re-release of The Exorcist that weekend, um, the 2000 director's cut. And at number five was Digimon the movie. Digimon. 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 I forgot about that. You guys watch that? Yeah, I did. Um, which brought in 4.2 million. Um, I think I already told you for the year of 2000, the number one movie was How the Grinch Stole Christmas, starring yes. Jim Carrey, yes. Castaway, Mission Impossible, Gladiator. You know, so, I mean, it was the day of movie stars. You have Jim Carrey, Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, Russell Crowe, and Mel Gibson all as your top five sort of leading leading characters of those films. This could have been an even bigger year for Jim Carrey because he was originally circling the role of Greg in this movie. I don't know if you all have come across that knowledge, but this movie mm. was originally attached to Steven Spielberg to direct with Jim Carrey potentially to star. And eventually they dropped out and wow. then it ended up uh, with wild. Jay Roach and Ben Stiller and all this. We would have seen much more physical comedy it would have been a different happening. kind of comedy with jim carrey clearly but also mm. a huge time for mm. him so like it would have been a hit i'm sure either way I f- with spielberg i feel yeah. like i feel like robert de niro would not have liked working with jim carrey i feel like it would, it have, would have been, been tom, different it would have been a tommy lee jones situation well he may have been able to do it once <laughs> um, um so anyway yeah we got two more of 330 these boys. million they ended up green lighting uh two sequels to this movie um the next one came out in 2004 and we'll talk about that next week um this movie does even tease that at the end where they say the only thing to do now is meet the meet, meet his parents yeah meet the parents uh i can't believe it took them four years though to get around to the sequel that's a little surprising i know, I know. for a movie like this but hey yeah we got two more of these i am not optimistic going forward uh, i have to say you guys wonder my react you talked about your reaction at the end of this my reaction was quote i can't believe we have two more of these end well, quote <laughs> i've never seen the other two it was I'm your very, idea <laughs> very curious i know you I did hate, this I, to you yourself know, I, I was thinking about that i this did this was your hear me out. we didn't even talk about it if we think out. we didn't even talk about the reason like you know do we do we think that this falls into the camp of a thanksgiving movie oh yeah one of the things that we don't have a ton of is as thanksgiving movies and and i think that this doesn't necessarily take place at thanksgiving it doesn't take place at a specified time it doesn't seem it's just meeting the parents i definitely think that this could fall into a camp of like are you looking for a thanksgiving movie watch meet the parents i think this i agree it has a very you know your mileage may vary mainstream approachable humor uh, that is also, but it's also about what Thanksgiving is often about at its core, which is a family reunion of sorts. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. with that being the central premise here, I think I would also say you could watch this at Thanksgiving and and be be happy with that choice. I agree. Um, it's got dinners. It's got it sweaters. Does. It's got. Uh, it looks kind of chilly. Um, leaves are brown. 
you know all the leaves are leaves brown. are very pretty and i the thought sky is gray but i'm colorblind so i have no idea um so uh well, you know uh maybe that's why um you know so i think i think it works as a thanksgiving time movie uh you know it, it's just it, they're getting together for a wedding but uh you know i think but that's secondary yeah, i think that yeah the people ma- get married the in the really fall matter, yeah. in the movie. it could be just two weeks before thanksgiving they're they're gonna be back they're gonna be back soon um it could be october you know it could be set when it came out i don't know but it it, it works though i think it works for if you're in the mood for a you know a family movie and you want it to be a funny movie but you don't want anything as crazy as austin powers or uh you know uh dodgeball or something like that then you yeah. go for this yeah yeah. All right. Well, let's 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 start thinking about our letterboxed guesses for this movie. Let me pull up some of the most popular reviews for Meet the Parents on Letterboxd. The number one uh, review is truly just a quote: four stars. I have nipples. Greg, can you milk me? <laughs> Obviously, that's going to be the number one uh, con- uh, review. Number two. Three and a half stars. Is this what Americans are like? (laughs) Uh, Five stars. Five stars simply for the line, you tried to milk him, didn't you, you sick son of a bitch? Sick son of a bitch, yes. (laughs) Uh, Four stars. I wish Robert De Niro was watching over me as I sleep in his pullout sofa. Uh, Three stars. More movies with De Niro being a huge cat person, please. And four stars. This is horror. Mm. (laughs) Mmm. Mm. Uh, well, Garrett, I think you're still in last place, so I think you still the 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 it still goes to you. Mm. I definitely think I'm going to be in the minority as far as like people who don't necessarily love it anymore, but I don't think it's going to be well loved. I'm going to go with a three point one. Okay. Interestingly, Garrett, you're only behind Josh by one correct guess. But Josh has more direct hits than you. Mm. Josh? I think it's going to be a little bit higher than that, but I don't think it's going to be like dramatically higher necessarily. So I'm going to go with 3.4. Oh, man, that's right in the neighborhood of where I wanted to be. Um. Oh. You know, it sparked a lot of people liked it a lot. People mm-hmm. maybe have liked it and they haven't gone back and watched it. You never know. I'm going to say I'm going to say it's a beloved comedy that's sitting at a 3.7. It's sitting at a 4.9. <laughs> 4.9. No, you said 3.7? 3.7. Okay, we got 3.7, 3.4, and 3.1. It's a wide, wide swath we've covered for this one. We don't often do that. No, we've covered the whole mm-hmm. three range. More, we did. More, we more did. Or less. Um, we do not have any direct hits today. Oh, man. I love a direct hit. Uh, and I don't know if it would have ever been necessary. We don't need a tiebreaker either. Uh, this movie is sitting at a 3.3. Which makes me the winner again. <laughs> Josh wins again. Oh, uh, but does make uh, uh, me and Garrett's window the more accurate one. Three point three. 
3.3? Yeah, I was my 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 initial guess was going to be 3.5. Mm. Um but when you went with 3.4, I thought, well, let me cover high just to see. Yeah, that 3. is based 4. on 177,000 ratings on Letterboxd. You should go make a Letterboxd account if you haven't yet. Follow us on there and go log the movie for yourself. Let's see, Josh, that puts you just 2 points behind me now. Oh, we got a race, and two and points. and and one ahead of Garrett. Or uh, you're now two total guesses ahead of Garrett, but you're four points ahead of Garrett. So Garrett's two direct hits away from being tied with you. Okay, so this is still a there's still could be interesting. Anything could happen. We've it. got at least um, five or six more movies in this year. Uh, you know, so we'll see how it goes. Okay, well, what, what are, are what are our ratings? I think Garrett should go last. <laughs> To so put us I, on, because it'll put us on the spot. <laughs> um, I talked pretty highly of the movie, and I really do enjoy it. I think it's held up well, but I do think, for me, this is sort of the definition of like a three and a half. I think that it's like really solid. I enjoyed myself. I would watch it again, but uh, but also it's not my favorite comedy in the world. There's I, if I was going to pick a comedy, I'd pick a lot of them before I get to meet the parents, probably. So really enjoyed it. I give it three and a half. I think you mostly took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, I would also watch it again, but probably not anytime soon, uh, which is probably why uh, we haven't seen it in many years, like we talked about at the beginning of this. But I enjoyed it well enough. The The parts of it that I found that didn't age well didn't take away from my overall enjoyment of the film. Uh, so I'm also going to give it three and a half. All right, so... I didn't like it, uh, but I respect it to to enough degree, and with enough knowledge that I know they're only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. To go and give it a two and a half. Oh, two and a half. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that. And for me, that is okay. Like, I get why people like it. It's not a bad mm-hmm. movie. It's funny. It whole, you know, whatever. If 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 it, if it hit, it, comedies are subjective. So mm-hmm. like, whatever. People find it funny. I'm not going to fault the film. Yeah, and that that makes our average a 3.2, which is pretty dang close to the letterboxed average itself. We love to see that happen. Uh, but yes, I love when we're a microcosm of letterboxed. I know, I know. It really proves that the that it is the best place for movie reviews. <laughs> both it, both the, that what, website and this show. I wonder what the other scores are. We'll have to look into that. So maybe sometime next week. For. Like the other, the the other aggregate sites, the Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, I see what you're saying. Gotcha. The the, the Metacritics and all that. Gotcha. Well, yes. For better or for worse, we have two more Fokker movies to go. Uh, They really lean into Fokker with two and three. Clearly, go hard on the. Uh, Well, you know the joke is ruined in the first one, and then you can just go with it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because I do. We didn't talk about it, but I mean, the reveal that his last name is Fokker is like. Whoa. <laughs> Just the, how it's spelled. F-O-C-K-E-R. Anyway. Fucker. And then the reveal that his name is Gaylord. Uh, just like, it's kind of like, and we didn't talk about it. That's a joke that for me just never really even landed even when I was a kid. No, I don't. I it, think they pushed it too far with that joke. Just They should have left it, it at Fokker. <laughs> it comes out so nonchalantly that it just doesn't even feel like it's supposed to be a punchline. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, we have Meet the Fockers next week. Followed by Little Fockers the week after that. Uh, then we will go on a little break for Thanksgiving. 
Mm-hmm. And then we've got so many Santas right around the corner. It's going to be here before we know it. Can't wait. Christmas is everywhere I go now. I already see it at every store, every billboard, every uh, commercial on TV. It's all Christmas now. So uh, Mariah Carey's already out. She defrosted the other day. Did you guys see it? It's time. We posted some right. kind of video of it. Anyway. We'll be back with Meet the Fockers. Uh, find us online at so many sequels.com. There you can find links to listen to all of our past episodes, as well as links to our social media accounts where you can follow us and interact with us there. If you really love the show and want to support us directly, please do so at patreon.com slash so many sequels. If you sign up there, you can get access to our Discord where you can hang out with us in there. Uh, we like to talk about movies and TV and, and whatever else is on our mind. So, again, check that out at patreon.com slash so many sequels. We will be back next week. Uh, see you then.